Blog Talk Radio. Another episode of Airline Talk, News and History. And sometimes we act out our experiences that actually happen to flight crews. And today's episode does exactly that. We take a trip to hell and back. To hell and back. So find your seat, buckle up, and try to make yourself comfortable for this not-so-natural trip, our normal trip. And my name is Neil Holland. I'm a retired captain with Eastern Airlines and the producer of the show. If you've listened to the shows before, you know our website where you can listen on the computer is www.blogtalkradio.com, Captain Eddie, that's forward slash Captain Eddie. Again, that's blogtalkradio.com, forward slash Captain Eddie, C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E. And if you'd like to call in and talk with our guest hopes, a host, 
or to add your memories, then why not call us? Our number is 213, that's area code 213-816-1611. Again, 213-816-1611. The producer, being me, will see your number on the caller's board, on my caller's board, and, and I'll ask you if you'd like to join the host and share them uh, with the uh, listening audience. We're a satellite-based radio station, and we're heard around the world. As a matter of fact, we have listeners now in over 50 countries. Now, let me repeat again the number to call in. It's 213-816-1611. We'd like to hear from you. Call us now. Now, to set the stage for our show today, we can thank Captain Jim Holder. He's our regular host on these broadcasts. He reminded me about a story he once told on the radio show a a few years back. We've been doing this now for 11 years. And I asked if he would give me an outline so that I could write write our program today. He did, and I did. It's a very true story. And let's see. Uh, Let's see if we can find those that will be with us today. But so since Jim Holder will be featured in today's show, I'm going to talk to Jim first, and then we'll introduce the rest of the host. Hello, Jim, and I hope you're as good during our presentation as uh, as you were on on this flight. Now, if I can find your uh, your uh, there you are, right down here, microphone, and open it up. Okay, right. yeah. can you hear me now? <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. Hello, All right. everybody. And you're in the Atlanta area, east, west, north, right. or south, Jim? Mm-hmm. Uh, east of Atlanta, and the temperature is 73 degrees, and we've had some hot weather, but today is beautiful. Well, good. And our trip today is going to take us, uh, I think it's going to take us into Canada. So we've got someone up in Canada that uh, has also been with us for a while now, Brenda, Brenda uh, Chabot. Brenda, how are you doing, and how's the weather up there in Toronto? Are you still having summer weather, or is it entering to fall? Let me get Brenda's microphone. Boy, this thing is so complicated here, uh, running this board, and that's the only job I have except this beginning here. Hello, Brenda. Well, that's not Brenda. Ah, here she is. Let's do it. Hi Let's there. do it again. Let's do it again, Brenda. Hello, Brenda in Toronto, okay. Canada. <laughs> Hello there. I'm doing good, thanks. And uh know the weather here. Into, you know, the first second week of September. Then the next day we have a blizzard. <laughs> That's how it seems to work here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Now let's see who else I see here on my board. Oh, there's Margaret Bars and her friend Luann. I think Luann's with her, but uh, let's say hello to Margaret Bars over in the Pensacola area. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Captain Neal, and hello all the other co-hosts. Uh, yes, Luann and I are here in the Pensacola, Florida area. The weather is warm but with cloudy skies. Okay, very good. Uh, boy, I miss Pensacola and McGuire's Irish Pub. Uh, a star rated star restaurant. Best restaurant in the country. And let's go yeah, over well. to Texas. I think I see Jim Harris 
Jim, is that you at area code 585? Nope. No, that's not. Nope. Nope. Who is at 585? Hi, this is Tony St. James from WNNR Radio in Rochester, New York. Oh, my golly. What are you drifting over on our uh, broadcast for, (laughs) Jim? Well, well, I'll tell you what there, Captain Eddie. I uh, I decided to take a look at this. Uh, when I see the trip to Helen Bank, I said, oh, I've got to talk to this guy. <laughs> well, so far, the technical part of running this show has been to Helen Bank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is what we call, Jim, you being professional guy. It is Jim. Didn't you say your name was Jim? No, Tony. Tony, excuse me. See, <laughs> there you go. This is what we call kitchen table chicken soup radio. <laughs> Combining <laughs> the two, two of them. <laughs> so, um, at any rate, uh, let's see. Uh, Jim Harris, have you showed? Have Have you uh, called in yet? All right. Oh, I, no. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Captain Jim Harris is here. Okay, Jim. All good. the way from. Good to hear your voice. All the Very way good. from. All the way from Dripping Springs, Texas. Drift, dripping, <laughs> dripping springs. I love that name. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and get this, I live on Hurlbutt Road. <laughs> really? Is that close yeah, to really High Quarter Court? <laughs> <laughs> Mercy sakes alive. Uh, well, this used to be part of the Hurlbutt Ranch. Yeah, whoever so heard got a little piece of heaven here. Okay. By the yep. way, Tony, don't it's talk true. too much because I, you got a fantastic radio voice. <laughs> Who said that? Are you saying that about me? Yeah, I said that about you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you very much. Yeah, I run okay. in. Uh, <laughs> I run an internet radio show up here in Rochester, New York, and I broadcast uh, on the internet oh. and uh, do it also. Uh, you know, like uh, have have a lot of. I'd love to get a lot of listeners right now. Okay, well, uh, you just uh, did an infomercial right there. <laughs> no charge. <Yeah. laughs> and I and I'll tell you what I I support and I love the people up in Toronto, Canada. Very very <laughs> great great people up in Canada. Thank you. Well, let's see. Uh, Harry Lindquist. Now, Harry was with us for a few years back, and uh, we're asking some of the old folks to come back with us, like uh, Harry Lindquist and and Bill Joseph. And uh, uh, Harry, where are you, and how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Neil. I'm in Brunswick, Maryland. I'm about 60 miles west. Of BWI, I'm right on the Virginia Maryland West Virginia border. Okay, ah. very good. All right. Weather and beautiful let's see. today, mid 80s. Just a great uh, late summer day here. All right. Beautiful. And last but not least is our narrator today, Bill Joseph. Bill has become the designated narrator for our shows, as you will see by his performance today. Putting the pressure on there, Bill, for you. And, uh, okay, Bill, now that I have set you up, where are you and how's the weather where you are? Well, Neil, I'm still out here in the summertime. I'm not in Florida. I'm in the Grand Valley of Colorado, 15 miles east of Utah, where we have 70 degrees and a light rain falling. All right. Light rain, okay. 
Well, we've got heavy rain here. I don't know how heavy heavy rain is. I wonder if they've ever measured it, the weight of it. <laughs> but at any rate, now I want to say that we've been off the air uh, a week, two weeks now, and and Margaret Bars is uh, with us, of course, the disaster that uh, took place in her hometown. And Margaret, since we haven't talked to you for two weeks now, can you bring us up to date as to what uh, is uh, going on up there in Kentucky where those disastrous floods uh, fell for many days? Margaret? Well, thank you, Neil. Uh, I wish I had a lot of good news, unfortunately, uh, with disasters like this, it's, it's not really the case. And as you just said, I still have my family home there. Um, I guess if there is good news, the floodwaters have receded and the north uh, fork of the Kentucky River and the local creeks are at what we call normal levels. But unfortunately, the full impact of the devastation has been further revealed as residents now see the tons and tons of debris cars, trailers, houses, furniture, uh, all of that is now clogging the waterways. And we still have two people missing in my county, Breathitt County, and unfortunately uh, it's two women and I do know them. And so that's a sad thing for all of us there, but not to minimize the loss of people in other counties surrounding. So cleanup will literally take years, according to officials and residents who have decided to stay. Now, I want to end it on a little bit uh, better note. Um, to quote Kentucky Governor Brashear, yes, we might get knocked down, but we don't get knocked out, and we don't get knocked backward. As a commonwealth, we can pick up our brothers and sisters in the West and the East, rebuild towns, and move forward, unquote. And to all the people who in Kentucky who will be listening probably later on to this broadcast, I always say stay strong, and I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you, Neil. And, uh, Margaret, is there a contact or an email address that people can go to to make donations? I think you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, they can go to Kentucky.gov. Um, and actually, um, if you just type in, actually, if you just Google, because you can't spell Kentucky out, um, they are now up to $6.7 million, and two weeks ago they were at $3 million. So I think all those people who have donated. But if you just Google the Kentucky flood disaster, uh, you know, it will come up, and there is a website uh, you know, the Kentucky official website, and about an inch down on the page uh, in the red bar, they will ask you uh, if you would like to donate. I mean, they will take anything, $5 to $2,000 uh, and more. But thank all of you who have donated. It is for a worthy cause, and these people are literally struggling for their lives. And I feel fortunate that our home was high enough that it did not get a lot of water, but I also found out that we did get water from the mountain, which flooded our basement. So we are having a little bit, but nothing in comparison to the others. So God bless. Your sister is okay then? She is okay. She just got cell service back three days ago. Mm -hmm. That's how long it's been out. All right. 
Well, thank you, Margaret, for that report. Okay, folks, now let's uh, let's start out on this trip, which I'm sure the crew uh, felt that uh, it was going to be one of those uh, one of those trips that uh, well we'll fly our trip and uh, get back and uh, and that'll be it. And uh, but uh, I'm going to turn it over to our narrator and uh, Bill Joseph. We'll take it from here, and let's start our program. Bill, it's yours. Thank you, Neil. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the trip from hell. Most airline crew members go to work by flying their trip, serving their passengers, and providing safety guidance should anything go wrong on the flight. This flight should be no different than the many trips this crew will take each year. Let's check in at the beginning. Jim Harris, would you start off the program here with uh, with uh, checking in the crew checking in? Well, let's see. He is. Uh, let me turn his microphone in on. And Jim, would you start off? Yeah, I just walked in the door and I ain't got my computer up yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to start you off. Hello, Captain. This is uh, Jim Harris. Good to see we have the same sequence for the month. It's always a pleasure to fly with you. And uh, you know who our second officer is? Yeah, I do. That's uh, Terry McDowell. I think that's what the paperwork said. He hadn't checked in yet. And I hope we got a good back-end crew that we'll meet him today. Yeah. I know one of them. He's a great flight attendant, and I hope she's senior on the trip for us. The captain and first officer meet their second officer and head out to the aircraft, a beautiful Boeing 727-200. They're parked at gate C-23 at the Atlanta Airport Terminal, just off Virginia Avenue in Hapeville, Georgia. The schedule calls for a three-day trip. Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Toronto, with a turnaround back to Atlanta, and then to Mobile, Alabama. Let's rejoin the crew on board the aircraft as they meet the cabin crew flight attendants. Hello, Captain. My name is Brenda Chabot, and I'll be working in the back with Luann Wiggins, Richie Lane, and Margaret Barnes. Uh, Brenda, Luann, Richie, and Margaret. Hi, Jim. Good to see you again since our last trip together a couple of months ago. Uh, Hi, Brenda. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Brenda. It's always a pleasure having you on my trips. Thank you. Same to you. And I'm the guy and I'm the guy you have to go around to get to the other two guys. Otherwise known as the second officer. I also do all the important paperwork here in the cockpit and that's why I get my own little desk with all these gauges to look at and play with. <laughs> nice meeting you all. Do you guys need anything before we board the passengers? Uh I forgot to tell you, Brenda. We do have a jump seat ride, a good friend of mine, who's going to be getting off in Pittsburgh. I'm sure you've seen the weather on TV. I've been briefed during your check-in. Because as we get further north, we're going to encounter marginal weather, bad weather, especially when we fly into Canada. Now, I'm going to keep you posted on any delays along the way as we go. Thanks, Captain. I'll get your drinks and send them up by Luann, who will be working along with me in first class. Oh, and we have a full passenger load, at least to Pittsburgh. 
After all the papers are handed off to the second officer by the gate agent, the door is closed and the aircraft is now underway to its first stop, Pittsburgh. Captain, I just got a call from Atlanta Dispatch that the conditions at Pittsburgh are becoming marginal with fog at times at the airport. Do you want to talk with them? Oh, me, yeah, yeah. Do you still have them? Atlanta Dispatch, what you got for us? Not too good. By the time you are in range of Pittsburgh, the ceiling and visibility will probably be below your minimums. So uh, we're clearing you now over uh, to Pittsburgh, over Pittsburgh, so if you can get in, but if you can't get in, but you're cleared to Buffalo, that'll be your next stop, of course. And if your second officer is listening in, copy this and, and, and sign. I'll give him his name at this time. Okay, uh, Atlanta Dispatch, I got that. Hey, guys, I got some first-class meals left. Who wants to eat? Oh, Jim, you and Terry, go ahead. I'll eat life. I'm not that hungry right now. I got some chicken cordon bleu or steak. It's your choice. After holding and talking with Pittsburgh operations and the dispatcher, the captain elects to go on to Buffalo, which has a snowstorm in progress, but with a ceiling of about 1,000 feet and visibility about a mile or so. However, they were reporting a fairly strong crosswind from the north, the crew, upon reaching Buffalo, starts their approach to runway 5 when Buffalo Tower calls Eastern Flight 320. Eastern 320, we got an American Boeing 727 just ahead of you, and uh, he'll give you a breaking report after his landing. Right now, you'll have a crosswind from 0, 09 or 0 degrees at 15 knots with gusts to 25 knots. Roger, Eastern 320. We're outside the outer marker now. Let you know when cross the marker. I have an update of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania weather for you, if you'd like to know. Uh, yeah, go ahead yeah. and throw that in. But uh, this is <laughs> – go ahead. <laughs> okay, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, as of 113 Eastern Daylight Time, it's fair and 86 degrees and – they're looking for uh, – their visibility is 10 miles. So, I mean, look, weather's looking great in Pittsburgh, and we're looking great over here in Rochester. We've got a temperature <laughs> of 88 degrees. Well, that sounds confused. real good, Tony, but uh, we're, we're in the middle of the wintertime, and, and this flight 320 is heading on up to, uh, to Buffalo and then on into uh, Toronto. But uh, – this is the tower, Buffalo Tower. I was listening in on that, Tony. American just landed and says he's not going to be able to exit the runway, and he stopped at the very end. He finally got it stopped, and he's uh, he's sideways now on the on the grass, uh, and the overrun pointed in the wrong direction. So, Eastern 320, discontinue your approach and go around. We just close the airport until we can make the runway available once again. It's the only runway we have in the service. The others haven't been plowed, and the others uh, uh, are not available. So what's your intention? Okay, Jim, tell the tower we're making a missed approach right now, and we'd like to get clearance on to Toronto immediately. 
And Terry, call Atlanta Dispatch. Let them know that we're heading uh, to alternate Toronto, which is a good thing. That's our destination. Uh, get on it right now, please. Roger, Captain. Got it, Captain. And our fuel will be tight, but enough to make Toronto without too much holding time available. I'll work it out with Atlanta Dispatch. Captain, I just heard the engines power up and guessed we may to go around. Are we going to hold and try again? No, 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 Brenda. We're heading for Toronto right now. The, the airplane in front of us, the 727, it slid off the end of the runway and is uh, uh, looking 90 degrees off, and they're blocking the last part of the runway. They closed the airport. I'm going to make an announcement to the passengers right now. Okay, thanks. The captain explains to the passengers the best way he can that another airline had blocked the runway to the extent Buffalo Tower had to close their only snow-plowed runway. They were now flying direct to Toronto. The captain, now tiring since he chose to fly the first leg of the trip and still has not found any of their intended stops suitable to land, headed for their final landing in Toronto. Sorry to interrupt you, busy guys, but we have a few questions to be answered before we land in Toronto. The situation is this in the cabin. Of course, our Pittsburgh passengers are upset. They didn't get off in Pittsburgh, and our Buffalo passengers could see the American jet on the runway and the conditions, so they know we're headed for Toronto, so that's okay. But the problem is that uh, many of the Pittsburgh and Buffalo packs do not have passports going into Canada. Brenda, that's why we have ground personnel to take care of these problems. Just tell them we'll be met at the gate by Eastern personnel and tell them we hope you have a great flight. Yeah, yeah. I've been right behind you, Brenda, and I just heard that little bit of our second officer's humor. Hey, Terry, why don't we switch jobs? I'll handle the second officer's panel, and you come back here and deal with the passengers. You want to swap? No, Blue Ann, I think I'll stay right here and try to figure out how we can stay in the air with the fuel we got to land in Toronto. As Eastern Flight 320 nears Toronto, they receive the weather report from the company, and it's not all that good, but meets the requirements for landing. It's a right chilly day in Toronto with the temperature at 5 degrees Fahrenheit and blowing snow showers from the northeast. After landing, the captain informs the senior flight attendant. Brenda, the company asked for everyone not going to Toronto stay on the airplane. As we will take on fuel and we are held back to Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and hopefully sometime today, Atlanta. <laughs> okay, Captain Jim, I'll make the announcement. Have any idea how long we'll be here? Uh shouldn't be too long. As soon as I know, I'll give you a call, so stand by. Got it. Thanks. Now, I'll Captain, tell you what. I'll go down below. I'll go down below and do a walk around. It's as cold as I. <laughs> the pilot oh, remained in the cockpit, and the second officer goes outside in the extreme cold, blistering weather to check the aircraft before it takes flight once again. As he enters the cockpit and shakes off his overcoat, of an accumulation of snow, we hear him tell the two pilots who are nice and warm. You can't believe this weather and the snow is fast accumulating. The wind chill factor must be a minus 25 degrees or more. 
Captain, the aircraft looks ready to launch. Captain, as of right now, we don't know who got off that wanted to go to Buffalo or Pittsburgh and who stayed on and who's going back with us. They're trying to sort that out now, but I can tell you it's a madhouse back there. Okay, Captain. Well, we think we have it all sorted out, and uh, here's your paperwork to sign. They, they, they're about through fueling the aircraft with what you wanted, and uh, just sign on the bottom line, and we'll button her up, and you're on your way. Thanks for visiting sunny Toronto in advance of your flight next summer. But uh, are you sure you you don't want us to, to load a few pounds of extra snow for you to take back with you? And by the way, with those staying on and the ones leaving Canada, you've got a full load going back. The aircraft is fueled, the passenger loading complete, and cargo doors are closed. They are cleared out to the runway for takeoff. The latest ATIS weather is blowing snow with a crosswind of 29 knots for the departure runway. After moving about 10 feet, the fellow on the tug hollered that we had a flat tire on the left landing gear, so the pushback stopped. <laughs> Second Officer Terry hollered out, Hey, guys, it was not flat on the walk-around. I'll say again, it was not flat on the walk-around. <laughs> An American maintenance team came out with a jack and a new tire and started the miserable job of replacing the flat ones. They actually came into the airplane a couple of times to get warm. Another hour went by before they were finally cleared for takeoff. This time, hopefully things would go their way. The first officer was now flying the aircraft, relieving the flying duties of the captain, who by now is most certainly reaching the point of exhaustion. What could possibly go wrong? Go wrong. Go wrong. Engine failure number three. We just lost number three. Sounds and looks like a compressor stall. Captain, I've got the plane, if that's okay with you. Jim, engine out checklist. Yes, go ahead, Jim. Just fly out of the profile. Keep about V2 plus 10, okay? Okay. Captain, it just relit and back to life. Looks like we had an interruption of airflow on that side from snow on the aircraft going into the inland of number three. All gauges look normal. After discussing the engine failure, the flight crew concluded that the strong northwest wind had accumulated snow on the right inner part of the wing from the position they were parked at the ramp, causing the compressor blades in the engine to stall when the first officer rotated off the runway. The snow went back into the number three engine inlet, causing it to quit. But since the takeoff requires the ignition to be on to all three engines, it was able to relight itself. After stabilizing the aircraft in a climb to altitude, the cockpit door opened and... What the heck was that, guys? Are we going back to Toronto? If so, I'm getting off, and I'm just going to apply for Canadian citizenship. <laughs> Luann, I thought we might add another little surprise for everyone by backfiring the engine. Luann, it's what's called a compressor stall. It corrected itself, and we're on our way to Pittsburgh as Buffalo was still closed with the runway still out of service. 
No, okay, Luann, I'm going to tell the passengers what happened and that everything is okay, and that's true. The airplane is flying fine. The first officer's got it. It comes to control. And Buffalo is still closed, so we're going to go to Pittsburgh, which is now, thankfully, almost visual flight rules. In other words, the weather is much better. The flight was vectored by Pittsburgh approach control for sequencing behind other aircraft, waiting their turn to land. Hey. Hey, guys, do you smell something, an electrical burning order? Yes, Lord help us. Which I do. It's quite strong. Jim, you keep on flying the aircraft, and I'll tell the tower we might need or probably will need a fire truck standing by. The flight landed normally with another grease job by the first officer. The fire truck was not needed, and upon taxiing to the gate, maintenance guys were there to find the source of the electrical odor. It was quickly diagnosed as the aircraft battery charger had overheated and a new one was installed. At least the jump seat rider had finally got where he wanted to go. Soon they were heading to Atlanta with some very unhappy passengers who had departed there with the rest of the crew so many hours earlier, hoping to go to Buffalo, not to mention the Pittsburgh passengers who had been sitting at the gate all day in Pittsburgh wanting to go to Atlanta. I am sure some Buffalo passengers on board and at the gate there were cussing the flight to hell and back, too. You aren't going to believe this, guys, but it appears that the FO's number two compass system is pointing toward Alaska. That ain't right, Jim. Perhaps you ought to switch to the captain's number one system and press on. And that's what they did. They were probably thinking what else would go wrong. Maybe the landing gear would not extend when they lowered it in Atlanta, but it did. It was about midnight to just the day at the office, or as Jim Holder, the first officer, would tell the story, a flight to hell and back. Jim, I hope I got the story correct as you told it to me, and uh, I took the liberty of doing a little um, embellishing there, but uh, uh, the, does that bring back memories to you, Jim, about that flight? Oh, oh, Lord, that was it. Sure does. I was the first officer, and uh, of course, the, when the engine failed, uh, we all three of us heard the compressor stall up there, which is uh, not extremely rare, but it does get your attention. Big laugh, bang. And uh, But it lit right back off again. We didn't have to go through any procedures at all. We climbed out to 1,000 feet, accelerated, pulled the flaps up, and hauled butt for, for Pittsburgh. And that was a very long day. And many years later, I was on the Eastern Airlines radio show, what we're on today, and I knew Eastern Captain Eston Fuller was on too that night. He was down in Pensacola, I think. And I told that story and I never mentioned the captain's name in the story that I told back then. And when I finished telling that story, I asked if anyone might know who the captain was. And not a person said a word. So I hollered out, it was Eston Fuller. He was on the radio show. And he spoke <laughs> up and said, Believe me, let me tell you this, what he said. He spoke up and said he didn't remember a thing about it. I can't go <laughs> it's a trip from hell. And the captain... 25 years later, can't even remember what happened. So I guess that's been, uh, well, I sure as hell remember. <laughs> Some things you'd well, like to wipe out of your memory. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any any comments? Uh, let's see, Sandy. Uh, you were with Eastern, yes. weren't you, Sandy? Yes, 27 years. You ever have any experiences like that? A trip in the back back there, trip to hell? Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, quite a few. I've had a compressor stall a couple of times. Yeah, and it's it you know the, that'll get your attention. The yeah. 727 was notorious for takeoff and compressor stalls because of that center engine and the way it sat yeah, on it, top of the fuselage yeah. with the S duct uh, going out to the exhaust. And uh, right. when you had a crosswind, the wind wouldn't go through that uh, that ducting to the compressor inlet. And invariably, if you took off and just added the power and charged on down the runway, then uh, the compressor stall would get your attention real fast because you, you would know, have a big bang, a bang. Yeah, this was not number two compressor stall. It was number three. But number it was three, yeah. No collector. But it, uh, the 100 series had an oval shape. Uh, intake, yeah, yeah. and when they came out with the 200 series, they raised that intake about 12 inches, and they made it into a circle rather than a egg shape, and that yeah. really cured the compressor stalls on the 727. It did, uh, and it I, did. I I flew the 1011, the L, Lockheed L1011, and we yeah. uh, were taking off at night going to Los Angeles from Atlanta, and um when we took off, we had that crosswind, and again, the L-1011 had two engines on the wings and uh, one center engine like the 727. And as we rotated uh, off of the Atlanta runway, uh, we got the compressor stall. And on that big engine, about a 45,000-pound thrust engine, when you backfire that engine, I mean, you light Atlanta up at night, it's now daylight almost. At least the Air Force is. <laughs> well, I had compressor stalls on the 727 uh, in cruise, uh, and, you know, and I flew the 1011 also, but I never had one on the 1011, but I imagine, like you said, it would be a big bang. It was a big bang, and, and it really lit up, and, of course, we circled the pattern, came back and landed and uh, took it over to uh interrupted the flight and uh, i think they put all the passengers over on delta which was competing with us at the time and uh took care of them but uh, at any rate uh, uh brenda uh you flew the 747 do you ever have any compressor stalls on the 74 no um we had a windshield crack <laughs> oh yeah. one little... that's, that's another <laughs> story we can tell <laughs> Have you heard that all the way in the back of the airplane? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that typical board air. We uh, yeah. dropped down to 14,000 feet, headed back to Toronto, and, of course, the flight attendants had to do the whole meal service at 14,000 feet. Board air never stopped serving. <laughs> mm. um, I do have one I wanted to say about a 747, not mine. At the time, I was working as airport manager for, um, well, for Terminal 3, Lockheed Air Terminal. And we all know the size of the crowd when they're checking in for a 747 flight. Well, it was British Airways. And uh, I came on duty on night two, the night before it had been canceled. So they were not a happy crowd. Anyway, everybody gets on. Everything's fine. And when the gate agent came into the cockpit to hand the paperwork, 
they would get an electrical flaw. I don't remember what it was, but anyway, they couldn't go. So the people, there was nearly fight. It was incredible. Well, on my second night on, they figured they, you know, they searched everything. They couldn't find it. Load everybody up. Same thing. They got on, all ready to go. Gate agent comes on. This thing comes up. Well, what it turned out to be was a screw in the floor that when the gate agent stood on it in the cockpit, it contacted a wire. Oh, wow. find that, you know? Wow. Anyway, that last night, they sent in another 747, British Airways did. I think they bought it up from New York. And it's late, and the passengers are going crazy. And it pushed back from the gate, and we're all at the airport going, yay, finally. <laughs> well, the tug did a jackknife and damaged oh, the aircraft. Geez. Oh, my God. And it couldn't go. So, huh. yeah, that front-end crew must have been going crazy, let alone the back-end crew and the passengers. But yes, in the airline industry, you just never know, do you? You never know. You know, that reminds me of a story in Toronto. Again, since we're talking about Toronto here, um, we took a 1011 up to Toronto, and uh, the next morning going out, of course, we had terrible weather. Uh, I think the ramp was a complete ice, a sheet of ice. And uh, But before we pushed back, uh, in fueling that airplane, I don't know, you probably remember, Jim uh, uh, Holder, that uh, they went, uh, especially the first flight, they would check the fuel tanks by pulling a dipstick down from the mm-hmm. bottom of the wing, and it mm-hmm. would indicate what the amount of fuel, and we checked that with, with the gauges on board the airplane as one of the checks. And uh, so this guy that was pulling the dipstick out of the, two, uh, the, the, the tank in the left wing, uh, he was brand new, and he'd given the assignment to do that, and he knew that he had to unscrew to pull the stick down. Well, he kept unscrewing that thing and unscrewing it and unscrewing it, didn't know when to stop, didn't know the little click there to pull the stick down, and the whole unit fell out. Oh, now, here Lord. comes all the fuel coming out of that tank onto the ground oh. and onto him. He's covered in jet fuel. The ramp is covered in jet fuel. Now, how do we stop it? <laughs> how do they stop it? They, they they couldn't think. They sat there and looked at the fuel coming out. Of course, the fire trucks had all come up the best they could, slipping and sliding along to the uh, aircraft. And they studied it and studied it. And finally, they decided to get uh, the the loader, you know, the little loader for luggage to load up into the uh, cargo compartment. It's kind of like a a little conveyor belt. And they they got him up on the very top. He put a raincoat on. And uh, they figured that uh, they they could uh, plug it up until they could get that little screw fastened back into that unit by pushing a hand, a broomstick handle into that, uh, into that stick area to at least slow the fuel down and wow. they did that and of course the guy was you know it's like standing in a shower of fuel mm. and he was covered with it but had to do it they had to get that in uh and uh they finally worked it so that he could uh, uh quickly push that unit back up and uh, that was a mechanic doing it this time instead of the new 
new fueler, and uh, they got it stopped. But uh, that took quite a while, and quite a bit of fuel came out onto the ramp. Uh, wow. And then, oh, the rest of it, the trip to hell, was once we pushed out, the ramp had accumulated snow and ice, and mm. they closed the runway down. So here we are sitting back off from the gate, not able to come back to the gate with the passengers on the airplane, not able to taxi out or take off. And so they sat there for two hours on that, in, in that airplane. We did too, all of us. And uh, uh, that was, I, I remember, that was a trip to hell that day. <laughs> so. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah those stories, we could talk forever. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Sandy, is that your voice? It is. I'm here. You you have an experience you'd like to tell us about? Well, the, the, 27 years, I've had several experiences <laughs> um, we could talk about. But as far as mechanicals, uh, let's see, on the um, A300, leaving uh, Atlanta, going to Miami, we were hit by lightning, huh. knocked out the damper. Instead of fish telling, well, we were going up and down and back and forth. And uh, we had a couple of flight attendants with broken bones. But one, once oh we landed, um, we had bologna and cheese and ham and all on the roof, <laughs> on, the, oh, on, the, yeah, on the ceiling. And um, several of us um, had to go to the hospital to be checked out. It was uh, quite an experience. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I flew the A300 as well, So, uh, but never got a lightning strike on that airplane. But I did on the 1011, and uh, it's quite an amazing. Got struck right on the radar, right at night going into LaGuardia. Uh, out of a thunderstorm, we, we hit with lightning, and it blew off the top panels of the horizontal stabilizer in the back of the airplane. And wow. uh, it, it hit, and we were at low speed, and it traveled through the fuselage, the lightning, and popped off uh, several of the smaller panels on the upper portion of the uh, horizontal stabilizer, back where the elevators are. Hmm. So, yeah, lots of lots of experiences if you've flown long enough. Oh, I want to ask Lou Ann. Lou Ann, uh, I know this is quick thinking you have to do here. But uh, how about that little bitty jet that uh, Kentucky Up Air flew? Did y'all have any experiences flying that airplane? Well, Captain Neil, we always have experiences flying that little jet. Uh, you know, but now I don't think we have a compressor. Of course, I'm not a pilot, so I don't know. <laughs> so we didn't have anything like that. But, you know, remember back about Oh, I don't know, three or four months ago, I told you we put some glass packs on our little jet. You know, we painted yeah. stripes on it and put on glass packs. I'm <laughs> telling you what, we should have had a real airplane mechanic do that, but we had Earl do it. And when he put that thing on, it, we went up into the air, and it just backfired and backfired and backfired. <laughs> and the passengers were screaming bloody murder. And Earl tried to cover it up by saying, now, passengers, don't get excited. Don't be afraid. 
I should have filled it up with premium, but I tried to save money and filled our little jet with regular. So we'll figure it out so our gas has gas. But you all, you know, just sit in your seats and we'll give you a present when you leave. So we did, and we're probably going to have to take them glass packs off. But, you know, that's our experience, just one. Uh, well, you didn't get up that high anyhow, I don't guess, to... to um, no, we just skimmed the mountains, you know, our flight path. Yeah, the feet, yeah. Up, down. How many engines, you know. uh, Luann, how many engines does that up air thing have? As I said, I ain't no pilot. I don't believe in getting into that mechanical stuff. I just try to look pretty. I just try to make the customers. I started to say customers. Well, they are. I try to make yeah. them relax. And, of course, yeah. you know, we give them uh, our regular soup bean and Moonshot Jellos when they need it, and we did. That was our present that we gave them when they got off that plane from backfiring, and they were kind of happy. So it never made the news, and that's important to us. We keep that kind of stuff out of the news. So there you go. That's you, my story. Uh, you said you the, the drink called the Moonshot Generator. Am I hearing correctly? Is that what you said? That the passenger no, drink moonshot. the Moonshot Generator. No, moon, Moonshot Jellos. You know, the jello shots people take. I mean, you know, I'm allergic to alcohol, but even I know what a jello, moon, uh, you know, a jello shot is. And we just had a little moonshine, kick it up a notch. Well, I, you I don't around and got confused. Hey, maybe we should put moonshine in them generators, those backup ones. I ain't thought about that. I'll just talk to Earl. <laughs> Oh, Lordy. Uh, well, very good. Very good show, and I appreciate it. Uh, you had uh, Tony from uh, a real broadcast company, a real professional with us, and I guess he had enough of us, and he dropped off. But uh, <laughs> and uh, but I wasn't expecting a, a, a report of the weather conditions in Pittsburgh. It, it was a lot better word. <laughs> It was a lot better than what we had, I'll tell you that, in Pittsburgh and Buffalo. <laughs> I don't know what what sequence he's been reading. Yeah. What sequence. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Brenda, uh, would you like to say a word or two about the Silverliners before we close out here? And, uh, sure, Weepa I'd love and to. Again, for people who may not know who are listening, the Silver Liners is an organization of flight attendants, former and current flight attendants, um, from all around the world. It started out as Eastern Airlines. Now we have members from over 74 airlines. We've more than doubled our growth in the last, I think it's three years, and we're just looking to open a new Space Coast chapter. We're working on uh, Seattle and Tacoma is uh, in the works. Um, New Hampshire, uh, southern New Hampshire and Maine we're looking at. And we also still have San Francisco and Los Angeles on our list as well. Plus Hawaii, we're starting to get a few, uh, uh, a little bit of interest from Hawaii. So it's wonderful. So we are growing. If you're interested in looking at who we are, what we are, or joining, go to www.thesilverliners.com. 
thesilverliners.org. That's thesilverliners.org. Thank you. I hope. And may to, I add but, something but, to that? Yes, Neil, go ahead, may I add something Sandy. to that? Yes. Uh, yes, I'm, I have a uh, Silver Liners inaugural luncheon planned for Minneapolis, St. Paul on September the 19th. Is that you? Is Sandy? Yes. Yes. Hey. <laughs> okay. Oh, that, yes, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, and I, I have quite a few Northwest flight attendants that uh, are are going to attend. Good. Great. Where, where is it going We're to be growing. held, Sandy? Pardon me? Where is it going to be held in Minneapolis? Uh, it's going to be at the McCoy's Public House Pub Restaurant in um, St. Louis Park, Minnesota, which is part of Minneapolis, near closer to the it's close to the airport area. And time and date? Oh, yes. It's going to be okay. September the 19th at 1 o'clock. All right. Sandy, uh, can you just uh, briefly yeah. tell them about Trifecta as well? We've just got that open. Yes, Trifecta includes flight attendants from Ohio, Kentucky, and Indian, Indiana. And um, we opened that chapter in June. And the um, it's Includes uh, Dayton, Ohio, Lexington, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and uh, we have flight attendants from all those cities uh, participating that have joined. That's wonderful. And we all work for charities. That's what we do. That's the point. We make new friends and see our old friends, and it's just lovely. And we all work together. So basically, across the land. Brenda, uh, there must mm-hmm. be 74 charities and that uh, all the various chapters are working with. Absolutely, there is. And our international charity, which we all um, contribute towards, is uh, Paul Newman's Hole in the Wall Game Camp that he set up for children uh, across the U.S. And it's just wonderful. Oh, great. But yeah, there's, yeah it's, the it is, it's, a, it's a wonderful Silver Liners have a cabin at that camp, and it's uh, medically yes, equipped. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Our money built it, our donations. Well, I can't wait to receive the next issue of uh, the Silver Liners International Magazine. When do you think it's going to be out? Is that the winter edition, Brenda? It will be out early October. Um, maybe by the end of well, I Actually, I think it will be the end of September. I'm just putting it together now. <laughs> okay, all right. Will I be able? Will I be able to get uh, Minneapolis in on that uh, issue? I think so. What date was that again? Of September? Yes. Well, I'll leave a little spot, and I'll see if that can be the last one to go in. So, yeah. Okay. Well, as soon as I, as soon as I get a picture, I'll send it up to you. Thank you, Sandy. You always do. You're wonderful. Speaking of pictures, Brenda, speaking yep. of pictures, did you get my note about the picture uh, for your magazine of, uh, for, for yes. the ad? Okay, Margaret and myself. Yeah. But we need Very to, good. you need to send me one that you want to go in it yeah. as well. Yeah, I've got it. I'll okay. send it today. I'll send it today. Okay. okay. Very good. Thank now, you. I'm going to ask Jim Holder, uh, what's going on with REPA? Any Anything about uh, the 
Well, not a lot's going on. Uh, you know, I resigned my positions a couple of years ago, and the, the my penalty, my uh, uh, slot was filled recently by Jim Gardner. He agreed to come back on to make the five-man board as a vice president, and uh, but they haven't really had a meeting to vote him in. So, about uh, right now, we're just waiting to see what happens with COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, there's nothing planned. There's nothing planned. We still mm-hmm. got uh, the officers. We still got the website. Of course, I'm the webmaster, if you can call what I do webmastering. But uh, really not a lot going on. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, the 401 Foundation, the Eastern Flight 401 Foundation, haven't heard from Beverly Raposa, but... Uh, I'm assuming everything is going well there because it's a go and looks like the dedication for the memorial for Flight 401 will be done December 29th, a hell December 29th in a beautiful area of the Miami Springs Golf and Country Club there. And if you haven't seen the monument that uh, has been uh, designed and, and built, I guess, now with all the names of the passengers that were killed, and I think the survivors are there, too. Uh, it'll be a wonderful uh, tribute to to, um, to those that perished in that flight, uh, 401. So uh-huh. with that, I'm going to turn it over to Captain Jim Harris to uh, bring us in safely. And Jim, you still awake? I'm still here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got it. Okay, we're cleared to take off. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we better land. We take it off for landing. Which one are we doing? <laughs> I, I thought I thought we were leaving. <laughs> I thought we were taking off too, but now I'm really confused. He <laughs> <laughs> just didn't want to hear that song by Merle Haggard. <laughs> I do. I love Merle Haggard. I do, too. It makes me cry. (laughs) I know. Me, too. Picture back to looking out on those wings. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we may or may not have a show next week, uh, but uh, if we do have a show, it's going to put put down no show. Uh, Okay. But uh, I'm working on one that uh, in-flight people passing away in-flight. Uh, passengers, uh, and uh, I've gotten, golly, about 20 replies, text replies of different experiences by different uh, uh, cabin crew members mainly. I got a couple of pilots that also contributed. Dick Borelli is one of them. As a matter of fact, Jim Jim uh, Holder, and uh, yeah. he mm-hmm. contributed a story. And so uh, trying to put that together. One and you did too. Two. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. It's a, uh, it's a, about passengers that passed away in flight and what the crew did to uh, oh, take care of that. And uh, yeah. so, at any rate, uh, we'll we'll see what we're going to do, and I'll make an announcement uh, on the website. I mean, on the Facebook. Uh, right. Sandy, you made you made a, a contribution to that too, didn't you, or did you? I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. 
yeah. I've got it then, yeah. Yeah. Are you talking uh, about the memorial down there? No, no. This is uh, in-flight deaths of passengers. Oh, okay, okay. And how they were handled and uh, some great stories, some wonderful stories about uh, uh, tragic uh, things that happened to people. Of course, nowadays with the hundreds of thousands of people, it seems like, in the air every day, Golly, it must be occurring quite often. I'd like to find out how many mm-hmm. uh, occurrences death does uh, occur on, on a daily basis of flights around We're the world. We're trained on it, Neil. Yeah, I know. In training know as flight attendants, yeah. you're trained on what to do. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and to cover yeah. them up with a blanket. Yeah, yeah, and we had that, yeah. and we had one that told that there, there was a smaller airline that – they put the body in the in the in the lavatory. So wow. I'm here. I'm hearing a lot of different uh, stories, but but uh, most of them, uh, it's pretty much like you said, Brenda. Uh, with training, uh, it's done properly. Yeah. And with respect. And um, yeah. And I've, I've got my own little story there that uh, we we had uh, a beam Charleston. We got the airplane on the ground and. But at any rate, uh, we'll see what happens with that one. And uh, so, Jim Harris, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn a little Merle Haggard on music for you. You know, I thought Merle was from Texas, but he's not. You know where Merle Haggard is from? Where he was born? I think he's from Oklahoma. Well, he did stay in Oklahoma a while, but he was born in California. Oh, the California. Hmm. Yeah, and he moved. He Hmm. stayed in. Oklahoma for a while, but and um, but at any rate, thanks so much for being with us today. Appreciate all of you and great story and Jim, good um, recall and I hope I did your story right and in, in uh, scripting it. Oh, you did it well. Okay, Very well. all right. With that, with that, with that, Merle, it's all yours. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with everyone. Go long. Harry, thank you for this bill. Thanks for being with us. All right. All right. Well, Silver wings shining in the sunlight. Roaring engines. Headed somewhere in flight. They're taking you away. Don't leave me, I cry Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here behind Silver wings Shining in the sun Somewhere in flight They're taking you away Leaving me lonely Silver wings 
slowly fading out of sight Silver wings Shining Taking you away and leaving me lonely, silver wings, slowly fading out of sight. Slowly fading out of sight. See, guys, thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. I know. Bye, Brenda. <laughs> <laughs>